If you join us for the first time this morning, you've joined us right at the end of a year where we have been thinking about living life well. We've been looking throughout the whole year from last since last summer, uh, since September, uh, about some practices that Christians throughout the world and throughout history have kind of adopted into their lives uh, to help us get to know Jesus better and in the process, therefore, living well. And I wonder, today is the last day of that. That whole process. For those that have been on the journey with us for the whole of these sort of 10, 11 months, I wonder how it has been for you. Have there been any changes in your life? Have there been any things that you've tried to do that you found difficult? Have there been things that you've explored that you want to explore further? Has it made any difference at all? Uh, well, we'd love to hear from you about this whole series. Uh, and if you've got one of the handbooks, the study guides that we've been giving out, three different ones, at the back of the last one, you'll see there's this survey, and you'll also see in your Outlooks information about this. We would love to get some feedback from all of you to find out how this whole series has been, because obviously we've put quite a bit of work into it, and we want to know if people found it helpful. Is it worth doing this kind of thing, producing these kind of booklets, these resources? and so on again. So please do click on the links in Outlook. It's a very, very quick online survey. We'd just love to get a widespread of feedback about it. So please do do that. That would be helpful. And today, therefore, we're going to kind of come into land and sort of ground this a little bit about what this looks like going forwards. And as we get into this, I wonder if you'd help me with a question. What films defined your childhood? What films do you remember that were significant in your childhood that you still remember the emotions it stirred in you and what it was, what it did in you? So just chat with your neighbor, a film or two that really kind of reminds you of your childhood that you watched again and again and again or whatever it may be. I won't ask for your, uh, I won't ask to hear what yours are. Uh, because that will really clearly date you. And whether it was Gone with the Wind, or whether it was The Incredibles, whether it was Transformers, whether it was Harry Potter, uh, one of mine was this. What is it? Come on, shout it out. Which one? Four. Rocky Four. I'm not that old. It's Rocky Four with Sylvester Stallone fighting the mighty Ivan Drago. And then the other film that defined my childhood was this one, and then this one. Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. Those, yeah. Wow, so Darren, there you go, our very own Karate Kid. The baddie one. Oh, wow, so he's the baddie in this. <laughs> Excellent, so speak to Darren afterwards if you want to know how the baddie, the outfit that he wore. I remember these films significantly. Uh, they defined, I remember going to parties when I was a child in which we kind of dressed up in pyjamas and stuffed ourselves with pillows and duvets so that we could punch each other and kick each other and so on. But it was always in these two films and others like it that there was a significant moment, sort of three quarters of the way through the film, when you came into the training montage bit. Do you remember it? Whereas whether it's Rocky running up the steps, or in a kind of 
hut in the middle of the Siberian wilderness, or it was obviously uh, the karate kid, wax off, wax off, trying to polish cars and paint fences. Always a training montage with inspiring music about the battle that was ahead and therefore what was needed to get to that stage. And we would go to be parties and we would be Sylvester Stallone fighting the evil Russians and whatever it was. Now, life is not always like that, is it? Isn't it? That uh, we know that life is a battle for some of us right now, or has been, or for all of us will be at some stage. And we know that there isn't always inspiring music so that we can get ready for the battle. But I wonder, as we come to the end of this year of living life well, if that posture that Paul writes to his friend Timothy of fight the good fight is a really helpful posture for all of us to take in life. One of the things when I was talking with Darren months ago, actually, about how he approached his sport, he said these words, I pray more when I'm about to fight. And isn't that the same for all of us? It's when we know there's something to overcome that we realize we need resources beyond ourselves. And so therefore approaching life as we come to the end of a year of living life, well, this is actually the beginning, isn't it? And maybe, just maybe, we need to focus on fighting the good fight as we go forwards and realizing that we cannot depend on our own strength. This journey that we've been on is the beginning as we continue to get to know Jesus more and more and we need his help. And in the passage that was just read to us, there's four very brief things, I think, to help us all with this battle in so that we can say we are fighting the good fight. And the first point is very simply this. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. We live, don't we, in a world of conflict and division, and increasingly so. And a world of social media where we are constantly in dialogue with people all across the planet, I think has just exacerbated this. Where you go on to any discussion about anything, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever it might be, you go into any discussion and somebody says something and then instantly there's a whole world of opposition against that. And of course, that floods out in the rest of our society time and time again. Someone makes a comment and then a hundred people launch back critiquing and not only critiquing the comment, but actually trying to destroy the person who made the comment. We have no problems with viewing life as a battle, it seems, in our society. But I wonder if we've got the wrong end of the stick of who the enemy sometimes is. Look at verse 11 of what Paul said to his friend Timothy. You, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Paul is saying to Timothy, you've got something to flee, run away from. And what is the this that Paul is talking about? What is it, the this, that he has to run away from? Well, if you'd have cast your eyes back a few verses, this is what Paul writes about a group of people who have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and think that godliness is a means to financial gain. 
It's clear that around Timothy's world, there's a group of people who have viewed other people as the enemy and are trying to destroy them. And they have an unhealthy interest in argument and friction and battle against other people. And not only that, they also think that if you follow God, you'll have a life of comfort and material gain. And so a key part of fighting the good fight, says Paul to Timothy, is knowing that the enemy is not just somebody out there at all. Sometimes the battle is within. In a culture where we so often fight each other, maybe sometimes we need to work out the battle going on within our hearts. Now, the Bible does talk about an enemy, a spiritual enemy, the presence of evil. But I wonder if we sometimes get so focused on him that we can easily forget the mindset shift that we need to take about ourselves and other people around us. So may I ask you a few questions? Are you always wanting to win? in your relationships, in your discussions, at work? Do you presume that following Jesus will mean you have a life of comfort and ease? Paul says, that's the battle. Flee from that. I was reading recently about children. They say that in today's age, some psychologists have done some research in which because rough and tumble of playground has been often removed, for sensible reasons perhaps, what that has led to has meant that sometimes children have no experience of pain, and so therefore in later life, when we all face pain of some degree or another, it destroys them because they've never had to navigate what suffering looks like. And as I was preparing this particular bit, I had a sense that it may be for one or two of us in this room right now that we know there is a particular thing in our life, a particular relationship, a particular experience in which we know our default position is to attack somebody else. They're the problem. And maybe, just maybe this morning, rather than looking at their flaws, we might stand side by side with them, with our own flaws, and look forwards together. Fight the good fight is not against other people. And that's why we need each other, isn't it? One of my heroes is uh, this man. Uh, He's Eugene Peterson. He died not that long ago. A huge Bible scholar, a legend in his field, so much so that he translated the whole Bible called The Message, translation that some of you may know. And he's written some of the best Christian books on leadership ever. A legend. A giant in his field. But I've discovered recently that apparently he has a Mickey, well, he had a Mickey Mouse tattoo. Even with his great learning, we all need a reminder, don't we, to not take ourselves too seriously. Another hero of mine is this man, who also died recently, Jean Vanier. Somebody that if you have people in your world for whom they have complex disabilities, this man is a legend, reminding us that in the face of those with complex disability, we might see something of what it truly means to be human.
And this man, somebody said about him these words. When I see an enemy to be defeated, he sees a wound that needs to be healed. Maybe, just maybe, a part of fighting the good fight and continuing this journey of living life well is not seeing others as enemies, but rather fighting on with each other in community. So that's the first aspect. Know your enemy. Maybe closer than you think. The second aspect of this is choose your weapons carefully in this fight, not weapons to destroy and cut down each other. Look at what Paul says to Timothy. Man of God, flee from all this, this opposition, this constant friction, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. That word pursue means run after even at great personal cost. Wax on, wax off. (laughs) And do you notice what he says you're called to pursue? Righteousness, not rightness. Faith, not fame. Endurance, not an easy life. Godliness, rather than sort of godishness, an appearance of godliness without real power. Love versus lack and always wanting people to earn your affections. And gentleness versus a grabbiness about my own rights. Pursue that, says Paul. I read a quote on Twitter the other day. I love this quote. The older I get, the less I'm impressed and moved by outrage and work on big humanitarian issues. But by gentle kindness, selflessness, helplessness helpfulness in small day-to-day interactions. It's so easy to have values and fight for all of humanity in abstract and not do it one-to-one with those people in my life right now. I don't know if you heard the story recently of this man. This man, every year they hold a global teacher prize. Who's the best teacher in the world? Of course, how do you rate that? But this guy won the 2019 Global Teacher Prize. In the middle of 10,000 recommendations from all around the planet, Peter Tabici, a Franciscan monk from Kenya, won. 95% of his students are below the poverty line, global poverty line. He gives 80% of his salary away to the community projects that he lives within. He won a prize of a million dollars handed to him by Hugh Jackman. What a contrast. What, of course, did he do with it? Gave it away to improve the school that he works in. It was his first time on a plane to this award ceremony in Dubai. And his methods are why? Purely because of the savior he tries to follow. Simple humility, so much so that Hugh Jackman described it as an incredibly emotional, very moving ceremony. Friends, we can so often want to transform the world. And yet maybe, just maybe, sometimes that transformation happens with the very simple attitudes and actions in work, at home, in your street, with pursuing righteousness, gentleness, faithfulness, love. We all want to change the world, but sometimes we think of it on the stage or radically transforming things, and we forget maybe, just maybe, we can start right now 
in the world that we have, that God's given us. But do you notice something else? Do you notice what Paul says? That word pursue doesn't just mean at great cost. Actually, the original word means do it in front of other people. There's a communal bit to it. It's not just you on your own. It's like being in front of the glad, in front of the crowd in the arena. There's a communal bit to this. In verse 12, Paul says, in the presence of many witnesses, friends, living life well is not meant to be done on our own, which is why we have church. It's why we have groups within church, because we all need each other to spur each other on. As Darren was saying, sparring partners to point out where we've got wrong, to help us grow. It's sometimes difficult and sometimes so easy to just want to be on our own because it hurts being around other broken sinners like you and me. But actually, we will never really grow unless we have those around us sparring with us. As Ellie Goulding says, when I'm with you, I'm standing with an army. So choose your weapons wisely, not weapons to cut down and destroy, but gentle, simple weapons that subtly, bit by bit, change the world. That's the second thing, fight the good fight. The third thing is this, expect some knocks along the way. Hardship is normal. It's great to see that women's Wimbledon final yesterday, wasn't it? Astonishing display of tennis. Uh, and this is interesting what Serena Williams, obviously she didn't win yesterday, said. But look at this statement. One of the greatest legends of tennis ever. I've grown most, not from victories, but setbacks. If winning's God's reward, then losing is how he teaches us. And I think we readily forget, fight the good fight. Living life well, trying to get to know Jesus more is a battle, is hard work. It's a fight. And as Darren said, sometimes you get knocks and even a broken nose or two. It's not meant for ease. Pursue endurance. Mistakes are good for us sometimes because they help us grow. I remember when I was at school in primary school, aged nine years old, playing for our school football team. And we were in this game and basically, I wasn't playing well. Every time the ball was passed to me, I'd miss it. Every time I tried to tackle someone, I'd, I'd foul them. Every time I tried to score a goal, it would miss. And everyone began to have to go at me. And so, so much so as this little nine-year-old uh, little boy, I stormed off. <laughs> Took my top off. Rah, stormed off. And of course, the manager wasn't impressed. Didn't play the second half. In fact, never played in the team again. Wasn't a good look. And I wonder sometimes as whether I do that with God. When things don't go how I would want them to go, we storm off. Forgetting actually sometimes, just sometimes, we need to expect some knocks along the way. Hardship is to be expected. Paul says to Timothy, flee those people. Flee that idea that somehow if you follow God, everything's going to be sweet. And the reality of this is for all of us is to simply be prepared, isn't it? So that when we get to that stage, that life doesn't work out how we want. It doesn't destroy our faith. We're prepared for it. We expect it. It's normal. There will be a day where something in your life will seriously not go as you've planned. There will. If you've not faced it yet, it will. 
And for some right now, that is your reality and has been for years. And so there's hope within this passage because do you notice what Paul says? In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He points Timothy's eyes to one who endured, who stood before Pontius Pilate, in which the whole of the state was going to murder him. And of course, what do we read in the book of Hebrews? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. Friends, expect knocks. We follow somebody who had more than knocks. And that's why we get to our fourth point. Fight the good fight. Yes, know your enemy. Choose your weapons wisely. Expect knocks. But finally... Don't worry about the result. It's in the bag. Look at what Paul says to Timothy. Charge you to keep this command, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. There is something ahead for all of us. The battles we face are very, very real. It feels painful. It feels long for some of us. But we have one who won on our behalf. And so, friends, as we come to the end of this series, there will be struggles. There will be battles. Fight on, knowing ultimately the battle's already won. Because Jesus Christ endured for us. So if you're here this morning and you're not sure whether you'd call yourself a Christian, Jesus is kind of beginning to be on your radar a little bit. You're not sure what this means for your life. Can I encourage you that you have one, a God in heaven, who stepped in on your behalf and took the hit for you. And that doesn't mean life will be easy, but all that mess, all that sin, all that stuff, that brokenness in your life, he has made a way so that one day we can stand face to face with God, pure, forgiven, clean. Not because you're good enough, none of us are, but because he made the way. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus and the battle is raging, you have one who sympathizes, who knows and battled way before you and ultimately defeated the enemy death itself. And therefore you can keep on with your feeble attempts of battling, knocked down so often that we are, knowing that we are victorious. The white flag has already been waved. So friends, Fight the good fight. Let's keep going. We need each other. Let's spur each other on so that one day, face to face with God Almighty, we might say, wow, what amazing grace.